Hey, in this week's episode of the High Impact Man podcast, we're bringing you Glenn Ayala out of Katy, Texas. Yeah, the hotbed down there that's growing like crazy. He's known as K9 to his buddies down there in F3 and across F3 Nation. He is a GTE trainer, a lawyer by trade, and you're going to hear his story today. One of a high impact man. Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek transformational relationships. Now, what you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less. To help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Here we go with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast, another earth-shaking, groundbreaking podcast episode from the High Impact Man. The hype. Yeah, the hype, baby, the hype. <laughs> so this is Nevin Gorky. I'm your host. I'm known as D-Fib in the gloom. I'm joined with, by Troy Klinger, known, known as Dial-Up in the gloom. And you know, Dial-Up, I, I don't think I've ever done this. Uh-oh. And I hope it's not a mistake. And I was thinking about this for uh, two weeks now, because we haven't recorded it for two weeks. And, and this, 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 I don't, I, so all you listeners out there, I hope, I hope I'm doing, I'm not doing something stupid, but I, I honestly don't really look, I haven't really looked at like our ratings as a podcast. Like we're doing this for over a year now, uh, weekly podcast, separate weekly podcast for like, we're almost close to 60 episodes. And I looked at it and I'm like, we got four out of five stars, but we don't have that many people that rated us. And the first two gave us like zero. And they said, I'm full of myself. So, and they're probably right. But, um, but so, anyway. So full of you, so full of yourself that you're sitting here wearing pink headphones. That's right, baby. Y'all can't see me out there, but I got the pink headphones on. That's because we could have switched them back. I didn't think about it. <laughs> anyway, no one could see me except our guest canine. Um, but, uh, so I, I don't think I've ever seen this, but I listen to a lot of other podcasts and they, they do this. So I'm going to say it. If you're listening to us and you like what you hear, Give us some kind of rating, okay? We'd like to get above four, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's good. Is four and a Hit half? Hit the like good? button, subscribe, give us a rating, or give Do us some feedback. Stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Do what he said. Yeah. But we want to see that come up. I know five would and be, be honest. Yeah, and be honest. If yeah, you think you D-Fib's know, full of himself, put it out there. Tell him yeah, he's full of himself. Absolutely, absolutely. If you think I'm an idiot and I should just shut up sometimes, that's <laughs> fine. My wife tells me it all the time. <laughs> There's nothing you're going to tell me and nothing you're going to comment on that our wives haven't already told us. True. Right? True. Yes. And, uh, but, you know, no one said any bad things about you, but they said it about me. And I, and honestly, there might be some truth to that. So I, I listen to what people say. I just hardly, I just forgot to look at it for like, well, since we started. Anyway, I looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> We need some stars, man. Give us some stars. Um, all right. So with that. It's like, hold on. It's like, yeah. it's like hotel ratings, right? Have you ever, do you ever look at hotel ratings? You know, you go on, you're looking at a hotel and you read the, you read the comments and it's like, how can this possibly be the same hotel? Right. Yeah. 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 Right. They, because they are, yeah. cons- they're so all over the place. Like right. greatest place, best customer service, friendly staff, clean and cleanse, like new, everything's upgraded. And then like worst place that I stayed in, right? like smelled horrible, m- most unfriendly. Like I-, I have no idea how users experiences can be so different. Polar ends of the spectrum. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, well, 
Well, with that said, we're going to introduce our guest. Our guest is Glenn Ayala. He is F3 K9. And um, the reason we bring guys on, as if you've listened to us before, you know, we bring guys on just to tell their stories, to motivate, encourage, and inspire other guys to be better leaders. And um, as always, DFib has some dementia. And <laughs> I was, K9 would recommend it to us months ago and i wrote it down on my phone and i'm just getting around to him but guess what i forgot to write down who recommended him but he comes from katie texas so maybe it was camo i i don't know probably a good guess yeah so somebody recommended him and uh we had a conversation on the phone recently and uh you're gonna get to know him so canine welcome to the podcast Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, sorry about for all that nonsense leading up to this, but welcome to no, the No, no worries. It was a perfect segue. It went from hotels to me. It's all good. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, all right. So, I guess the, the usual question, how, did you, how and when did you get involved with F3? Who EH'd you and how did you get... Wait, wait. Just answer those two questions. Don't answer the... the well, I know the answer because I got his bio. Anyway, <laughs> tell us how you got your name too. Go ahead. Okay, no worries. Well, I originally got EH. I remember my very first post. It was January 21st, uh, excuse me, 26, 2021. I remember it distinctly. I got EH by a fellow PAX here by the name of Flying Nurse. And Flying Nurse and I were in the, in the same uh, life group. Um, he's actually the pastor where the AO, where I originally started, is called the Peak, which is basically the parking lot of the church here in Katy, Texas, uh, known as the Fellowship. And so, um, Flying Nurse was a pretty enthusiastic guy. He's like, hey, there's this new group. It's starting up. It's a workout group. You know, my hospital name is Glenn. He's like, Glenn, I, I know you like to stay active. So, you know, why don't you come out? It was, it was literally the launch. It was when the peak first broke off from, um, from the kingdom, which is the first AO ever in Katy, Texas. So that was January 18th. So I was like, yeah, okay. You know, why not? I said, what time is it? Oh, it's a, it's at, uh, 5.30 this Saturday. I was like, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> That's the usual response. Right. So, yeah. So, the next time I see Flying Nurse, he's not letting it go. He's like, hey, yeah, we missed you last Saturday. We really want you to come, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I realized, okay, Flying Nurse is a pretty persistent guy. Okay. So, I see what I have to do here. I'm going to have to bite the bullet, and I'm going to have to wake up early on a Saturday, mm. and I'm going to go. And I'm going to go once, and then tell Flying Nurse, yeah, I mean, this it's, it's nice and everything, but this isn't for me. So obviously that never happened. Um, I got there and uh, at that time that was uh, the peak. It was full of an all-star cast of packs. I had no idea. I was fresh to mm -hmm. F3, um, but there were some real studs in there. Um, guys who were really high impact guys, they were super fit and I loved it because it reminded me back being, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty athletic guy. I've always played on sports teams. So it reminded me of like training with a team. Yeah. So I was immediately drawn to it. As much as I wanted to say, no, this isn't for me. I couldn't, I was hooked. Um, and so from that very first post, I, I, then I went back on Tuesday, went back on Thursday. And so, and here I am two years later. I just recently, well, in January, uh, it's now April, celebrated my two year anniversary. Nice. So cool. the, the magnet drawed you in, the glue stuck you there with the fellowship. And yeah. All that. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, so tell us how you got the name canine. Well, it's interesting because um, when I went there, I'm, um, I love dogs. And so I'm a self taught dog trainer. I have, um, I have a Belgian Malinois. And so it's, I taught him his obedience 
and I had some other guys, some former police and military teach. He's actually our personal protection dog. He will actually go in on the bite on command and release on command. The smartest, most athletic dog. They're I've ever big, had. right? The, yeah, the, they're they're smaller than German shepherds, which okay. is what their appeal is to military and police because they can get into more places. That yeah. a hundred pound German shepherd is going to get into less places than a sixty five pound Malinois. Okay. Um. So, but the, literally the most intelligent dog ever. I've had him since he was eight weeks old. So, um, I'm, and I had my canine hat on, um, because that turned into my signature. I always show up at BD's wearing my canine hat. And so the cue was uh, a guy named Dementia, very well-known guy. And so I was wearing the, the, the canine has literally like a billboard on my head. And so I was like, oh, what should we call him? And they're like, well, his hat, it's canine. <laughs> and there is stuck. Yeah. yeah, which is funny because there was I didn't realize that, but I there were a bunch of guys that got named. There were a bunch of FNGs that day. And some guy, he got named Mutt. Oh. And so Mutt, because he said, Well, I have dogs too. And they said, Well, what kind of dogs? He's like, well, I have a retriever and a mix. And they said, Mutt. <laughs> and it stuck. So afterwards he came up to me, he's like, Hey, canine, you know, I really think like you got the better name. I got the off-brand name. I said, Mutt, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not name you. I like Mutt. Still Mutt a good name, right? Mutt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good. Could uh, be worse. Could yeah. be worse. I'm Could curious about Flying Nurse and how Flying Nurse got his name. Must be a, a Life Flight Nurse. That's, I, that's, I what, that's yeah. what I was you know, thinking. Flying Nurse got his name. Flying Nurse is actually um, a four paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division, and, and he was a medic. There you go. Ah, uh, okay. So the, all they heard was, paratrooper, medic, and somebody screamed out flying nurse, yep. and it sucked. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we've, we've said before that we're not real good at giving names, but we're not terrible. We've done a little man. better the past couple. I'm telling you, the next guy is Dancing Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Continuous. We, we had, like, last, was it last summer or was it a year? I can't remember how long time ago. One of our packs cued, and he played all this disco music, and, he, and Abba was on playing Dancing Queen. Everyone was making fun of him. And then we all said, that'd be a great name. We gotta name the next guy Dancing Queen. Well, We've had a number of FNGs come by since then, and we still haven't named anybody Dancing Queen. I tried to get uh, the guy on Monday. We had an FNG. Yeah. I tried to get Dancing Queen. I got shot down again. <laughs> That's probably a good yeah. thing. For both of you. There's gotta at least be some connection to no, there doesn't. Dancing or Queen or Slad. <laughs> anyway. I don't think so. His name is Butterfingers. I don't okay. remember how we gave him that. Why we gave him that? Because he, he'd eaten he'd eaten some butterfingers before he came to the workout, and, and, he, and he spilled them. <laughs> oh right, right. That's, he splashed for low. He splashed right. low. Oh, that was a good reason. Yeah. All right, I stand corrected. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. You you were involved with F three, and and uh, before we're gonna we're gonna pick up that F three story again, but let's let's back up in time because what we usually do, and tell us about um, little canine, young canine. What was life like growing up where you grew up, and you know what were you all about? Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Um, so I grew up in the northeast of the country. Um, I grew up in a small, idyllic town that literally looked like it was painted by Norman Rockwell. It's a place called Morristown, New Jersey. I was actually born in New York City. Uh, but Did growing you go up, to soccer tournaments in Morristown? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're from central Pennsylvania. We've been to soccer tournaments in Jersey, and I think we were in Morristown. Yeah, you're not too far across the border from Pennsylvania then, right? No, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And so, yeah, so it's, I don't know if you've been to Morristown, New Jersey, but it's actually, the town was founded in 17, whatever. The Revolutionary War is everywhere in that town. Yeah. George Washington slept there. Because George Washington literally uh, wintered his troops there in 1777. Right, yep. I'm not mistaken. 
So it literally has a town square with a huge church on it and the town hall. It's, it's like towns used to be. And the Morristown Green, that is the town square. So, I mean, it was, uh, life was much different back then, a much simpler time. But yeah, it's a, one of the, actually one of the happiest memories I have of that town is um, I, when I had already left, uh, when uh, I remember I used to play with my father on that green. And I remember when my son was less than a, a year old, we went back to Morristown and I was with my dad. Uh, and I was with my dad and my son on the Morristown Green. And there's some moments in life where you realize something special is happening. Yeah. And I realized that. I'm like, wow, I used to play on this exact same place as a kid with my dad. And here I am with my dad and my own son. Cool. So it was, uh, yeah, that's, I actually have a picture of that moment. It's a very special time. Yeah, you need to get a hold of your friends in Morristown tell them to plant a shovel flag there. That sounds like a good yeah. for an AO. Exactly. <laughs> I wish they would. Yeah, I think yeah, Princeton. I think is the only area in yeah, region in Jersey, as far as I know. Yeah. All right, roll, brother. Keep going. How? What? What happened then? Oh, so it's um, I stayed there. You know, I I graduated. I went to high school in Madison, and then I went to um, I followed my actually my older brother. I went to Cornell University, and that's in uh, Ithaca, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there I went to law school in Boston, Suffolk University uh, Law School in Boston. I stayed there for two years, and I finished uh, my last year, which is very rare. People don't usually, it's, I didn't exactly transfer. It's called being a visiting student. So my degree is from Suffolk University, but I spent my last year of law school, and I successfully graduated um, at the SMU in Dallas. And that that's was my big difference. First yeah, that's my first experience with the South. And I've been um, basically living south of the Mason-Dixon line ever since. Yeah, Yankee goes south. So SMU, that is that in Austin, Texas? Is that where that is? No, that's in Dallas. Dallas, in Dallas. okay, Dallas, Texas. Sorry about that, Dallas. All right. Um, so you, so uh, you got out of law school. Back in uh, high school and stuff, did you play any sports? What were you into? I did. I, I was a, a big soccer player. I, that, was, um, that was probably my favorite sport. I was pretty athletic. So I used to play a lot of different sports. I mean, I mean when I was, when I was a, a little kid, I would, I would play out Little League. I'd play basketball. I'd play uh, flag football and soccer. Because soccer, my dad actually um, is from South America. So uh, he would always play soccer, and I remember him always taking me to play soccer when I was when I was little, like when I was five. So I uh, grew up playing soccer, green. and then I got to watch my son play soccer. Um, and he made it to the Olympic development team of South Texas, and then played two years in college at the University of Texas. Um, nice. That that was actually fun to watch. Cool, cool. So you were uh, athletic you know, from a young age, did you keep up with your fitness as you went through college and stuff? You know, it's kind of interesting. It's, I've gone through periods. I've gone through ebbs and flows. It's not exactly dreads Pogo 40. Um, but I remember looking back on pictures when I was, I definitely gained the freshman 15. I can definitely (laughs) tell you that much. I look at pictures of freshman and sophomore year at Cornell and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, put the fork down, please. Um, so I definitely remember that, but I never, I, I just, I can't just sit and be still. I, I'm always have to be moving. So eventually, um, 
what I, what I think was is that it, I, it really took a long time before I learned how to eat properly um, and just not eat junk. And eat. a big thing is, is portion control. That was probably the biggest thing I had to get under control. Yeah. Um, but I, I was always, I mean, I've always been, um, even after graduating, I mean, uh, participating in athletic activities, recreational, the YMCA league and things like that. Um, but it even, and that was like a distinct difference from when I first joined F3. I mean, I see a lot of packs, uh, FNGs when they first show up, they're like, yeah, I really need to get back in shape. And I was already working out. Granted, I, F3 helped me catapult that. I've been much more fit now than when I started, but I never fully fell out of shape. Mm. Um, cause I just always like to be in action. What kind of working out were you doing? Were you running? Were you going to the gym? Uh, I would honestly, I would, I would, uh, ride my bike. I would, uh, lift weights. Um, I would play soccer, uh, pickup games on Wednesday nights and, and Sunday nights. Um, and I had created my own home gym. So my home gym had pull-up bars that had a weight set. I eventually bought a Bowflex and it had an exercise bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I would do that. I was pretty consistent. Um, not as consistent as I am now, but I mean, I would do it um, uh, probably five days a week, um, always doing something. Um, and then when, when I got to F3, that just catapulted. Yeah. So tell us how you met your wife. How did that happen? Oh, man. I met my wife. I met my wife at a Halloween party. I tried everything to do not to go. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like, cause it that's was, um, yeah, that's how it usually works. <laughs> so that day, I remember I was playing soccer and I was exhausted. And so, um, so a group of friends invited me to this Halloween party uh, that was in probably about uh, three towns over. I really, I was tired. I really didn't feel like going. And I had... Uh, some friends that were like, yeah, we're going to do a group costume. I'm like, oh, my God, please. I don't do costume parties. So, <laughs> no, no, okay, so you don't have to put on a costume. You can go as yourself. Okay. So I showed up, and then they said, can you drive us? I'm like, yeah, I'll pick you guys up. So I show up and to pick up my friends, and they're literally dressed up as a Harley Davidson biker gang, like the full leather. All of the, and as soon as he, I knocked on the door and my friend opened the door, I realized, man, this is a mistake. <laughs> not making all these excuses but um i gotta go early you know i got an early morning the next day but yeah yeah fine whatever so i i showed up at, at this party and you're dre- um, and your dress your dress is yourself right i'm dressed as myself i'm civilian <laughs> clothes i'm not wearing a cop and so i get there and it was a group of friends that had gotten together once before and you know you're a single guy and so you try to remember okay were there any cute girls at this party and the answer was no um, at least previously, but I show up and I see somebody new who was not there at the first event because I would definitely have noticed that. Uh, and I was like, who is that? Um, so I had, I had to find a friend of mine there. I had to find a, a, a wing woman. And I said, Hey, just join me in this conversation and play along because she is a very attractive woman. She was very attractive back then. She's very attractive now. And there were literally five guys in front of her trying to talk to her. It looked like the deli, take a number. Um, <laughs> so you're trying to come up with a strategy. Okay, so how do I look like not just another guy trying to talk to you? So 
um, I'm, I'm with my, I said, let's just edge closer, edge closer. So I hear her discussing and I forgot what the question was. And she said, I'm an MK. And I'm like, I knew exactly what that meant. MK meant missionary kid. Yeah. So I said, so I immediately, I said, this is my opening. So I jumped into the conversation. I said, really, you're an MK. I said, where did you grow up? And she said, uh, Zaire. And so I thought, okay, Zaire, Bells in Congo. I said, do you speak French? And she said, yes. So I switched to French because I had gone to French language school in France previously. And so I had a whole conversation in French with her and her eyes like opened up wide like sauces. She was like, I can't <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> so one by one, all of my competition left, except for one guy who would not admit defeat. He was like, the I really kept on hanging on. But anyway, um, from that evening, that was actually Halloween itself, uh, October 31st. Um, and we spent every day together after that. I literally, I asked her to marry me two weeks after that. Um, it was really? early November. Wow. What? It was, yeah, it was, wait, 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 was wait, not, wait, 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 two weeks. Yeah, it was two weeks. I knew she was the one. I, I just, it was, there were too many things going right there. So, so two things. So I- she didn't say no. She said, um, when you become my best friend. Well, apparently that took four more weeks. Because by Thanksgiving we had by Christmas we were already engaged. So wow. we've been, well, he moves fast, doesn't yeah. So so I got two things. One, what was she dressed up as? Oh, she was dressed up as a pirate. Ah, oh, there could be some good-looking pirates. <laughs> yeah, she was literally the sexiest. You, listen, pirate ever. dude, we're going to talk about it, but I know you lived in Tampa, and I know you all about the pirate thing down there. <laughs> There's some good-looking pirates. Yeah, you know why they call them pirates, right? No. Because they are. <laughs> I fell right into that. Sorry. Do you know what their favorite letter is? R. No, you would think that it is, but they're more fond of the C. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry. All that's right. all I got. Hey, so the second thing, anybody that listens to this that was at the party, female-wise, that is not married to him, has now just been called ugly and unattractive, <laughs> unattractive right? We, we haven't mentioned, I didn't mention any name. No, no names. We don't know the exact address. So hopefully, or the hopefully, exact they're, date. hopefully they're not listening exactly. to the podcast. Yeah. Like I was at that party before. I don't think we have many women that listen to us. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, sorry. Let's move on before we discover somebody who does. So, so, so dude, you met her and you, you, you proposed in two weeks and you got married. And how long after that? Four weeks? Four weeks. We got married uh, 10 months We're after that because weeks, yeah. her, uh, going back to, she's an MK, right? She's, so yeah. her parents are missionaries. Her parents, they're retired now and they live in the U.S. But at the time, they lived in Zaire. They lived in Africa. Um, so that was a time when, I mean, there was internet. Like, I literally had to physically write a letter asking their permission to marry their daughter. Yeah. I still have the letter. I have the response from at that time was my future mother-in-law. Um, but yeah, so that's because you couldn't pick up the phone and just dial. They had no idea who I was. Um, it was it was kind of interesting meeting them, and we were already engaged, and that was that kind of caused some friction between us, between she and I, because she didn't want to call us engaged without her parents can. I mean, it lets the whole thing. But anyway, long story short, that was thirty years ago, and here we are. Still married and two children later. This man lets no grass grow under his Apparently feet. Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So you got married. Where did you live then? When we got married, um, we went on our honeymoon. We went to St. Martin in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came back. We spent one night at my mom's place. 
and literally the next day packed up the car and drove uh, south. And we uh, we stayed in a place is Lake Mary, Florida, which is basically a suburb of Orlando. Because uh, while we were dating, she she at the time she was um, she was employed by a company called Anderson Consulting, which is now known as Accenture. Uh, and she was doing a project in, for AT&T, which was headquartered in Lake Mary, which is basically a, a suburb of Orlando. And so she was given the option, because she was off-site, either fly back home, which in this case would have been New Jersey, or bring a family member down to visit you. So she chose bring the family member. I mean, it was, fe- it was February. So if you had the choice, February in New Jersey or February <laughs> in Florida, I mean, it's yeah, not that difficult. Easy choice. No contest. Yeah, exactly. So I remember like every weekend I would fly down to Florida on Anderson Consulting's dime. They would literally send a driver for me because that's what they do, right? And wow. so they send a driver. They open up the door. I was like a big shot on somebody else's nickel. And um, they, I, we, I went down on consecutive weekends uh, to visit her in Florida. One day we were taking a walk. It was a beautiful day, typical day in February, about 78 degrees, blue sky, no humidity, uh, absolutely gorgeous. And so I, I turned and asked her, I said, is there any reason why we need to live in the Northeast? And she was like, oh, no, I, I hate the cold. And I'm like, bingo. I said, well why don't we move here? It was either, it was between Florida or, or Texas. Um, and so she said, well, I really love my, my M really loves the ocean. So I'm like, done. Tampa it is. Um, so that's how we we started in Tampa. Yeah. So you uh, you and I had a conversation before we started recording about that. Cause as, as some of our listeners know that I lived in Bradenton and so we know some of the similar areas there. And, I, and, I, and I told you that we're, we're, we're my wife and kids and I are going on vacation on this Saturday. We're going to Lido Key in Sarasota. So, uh, Bing, Bing, if you're listening, I know you know I'm coming. We're going to hook up. But, man, this this dude lived in Tampa. Hi. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a place called Feather Sound. So it was right over the bridge from Tampa, Tampa St. Pete area, that whole yeah. triangle there. But it was a place that's absolutely surrounded by water. And you don't realize that it is until you move away. And then you really miss it. Yeah, yeah, I know. We we went. Um, we were there when we lived down there. We visit. We went just you know day trips there. But uh, was it two years ago? I think my wife and I uh, vacationed on Madeira Beach, which is between St. Petersburg and Clearwater. It's the yes. next, next beach north of uh, St. Petersburg. But I went uh-huh. and worked. I went worked out with the guys down in um, Bradenton with Bing and the guys. Uh, but then another day day I hooked up with the F three guys in St. Pete, and they they work out on. Um, in this big uh, kind of grassy park area, it's a really it's a really neat area with like shops and stuff. But but it, it faces east, so I, I saw the sunrise there. You don't see too too many sunrises from the sun coast over water, but that was over, uh, the, over the bay there. Yeah, nice, beautiful area. The whole thing. Yeah, really beautiful. We that's uh, whenever we go back. My my daughter actually um, had to describe. Uh, she came up with a term to describe our family. She she coined the term, we are Florida Texans, uh, <laughs> because those are the two states. My children were actually born in Florida. They have um, they have uh, Florida birth certificates. Um, but they both those states have played such a huge impact in their upbringing mm-hmm. that she wanted to capture both of them. If you knew my daughter, you realize everything about her is unique. She has, she's just, that's how she rolls. 
Florida Texans. All right, so uh, you end up in in Texas, and you're uh, you're a lawyer by trade, right? And you were uh, tell us about what you do for your mammon. All right, so for for mammon, um, I work for Siemens Energy, which is uh, basically the German version of GE. I am an attorney. I'm an attorney in the state of Florida. Um, it was interesting because for me, I, I'm going to get a JD or an MBA with six and one half a dozen of the other. I opted for um, the JD. And I was not going to take the bar. It was interesting. Uh, but my dad, um, um, at, at that time, and my dad, since he passed away in 2018, but he was, he was like, Glenn, what are you doing? He, he said, you know, you really need to do this because it will validate your degree and blah, blah. So I literally, I mean, I, I took the bar um, and I passed. Uh, and I think my dad was happier than I was because uh, I could just see the smile on his face. Um, but yeah, I remember that. And even, and even taking the bar in Florida is kind of, it, it, Florida does not want people outside of the state taking their bar exam. They just don't. So why do I say that? Well, because in order to take the bar exam, you have to pay a fee to sit for the exam. If you are a Florida resident, that fee, no, it's not Florida resident. If you went to a Florida law school, right. that's the key. Okay. You pay $50. If you didn't go to Florida school, you pay $800. Whoa. Exactly, which means you could have gone to Harvard, but still, <laughs> you're gonna pay. Yeah. So yeah, they want to um, keep their lawyers. Yeah, they 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 want to prevent. They have reciprocity with no other state. So uh, some states have reciprocity. You can take the bar exam in another state and transfer in. You cannot do that in Florida. Anyway, so and there's a big thing is that if you didn't go to Florida law school, apparently, apparently the probability of you passing the Florida bar is less than others. Um, so while I was studying for the bar, I, I remember all these other, I was actually clerking at the time and all these other Florida attorneys were, were asking the same question. Hey, did you go to Florida law school? No, I didn't. And they said, Oh, Oh, I see. Um, yeah, well, probably, you're not probably going to pass, but Hey, good luck anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Um, not a real anyway, lawyer. I did pass and I didn't pass by the skin of my teeth. I passed by a healthy margin. I was like, yeah, baby, take that. <laughs> Nice. See, it's, it's elections. Apparently, elections are rigged. The bar exams rigged. Yeah. Like What's going on down there? How do you rig the bar exam? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. We get a different test, probably. Um. So okay. So you're in you're in Texas, and you're part of the, right. the Katy Texas region. Um. You said you you were in their second AO that they launched. They really had you guys had a huge expansion after that, right? Yes. Yes. I believe we're up to eighteen now. At, at last. I mean, so much so that um, the Katy region is actually spawning other regions now. Um, there's the, um, I don't know if I'm revealing confidential information. I, if it is confidential, it's pretty much an open secret. Everybody knows that. Um, but there are six AOs which uh, came from Katy, which are in the Fulshire region, which is a little bit west of Katy. And they'll be forming their own region, I believe, in June of this year. So it's um, in a little bit of a month and a half. Um, there's been some, some AOs. Some of them belong to Katie, others belong to the Houston region or forming the, that's sort they're having their launch this Saturday, the, the North Houston region, otherwise known as NoHo. So, um, you guys are going to make a comment on that. Yeah, I like, that's <laughs> a good name. The no I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> Part I'm, of the no I'm thinking I don't want to go there, but uh, <laughs> I got some t-shirt ideas. Logos <laughs> in my head. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, there's been, there's been massive growth here. Um, and one of the things that I'm, that one of the things that I, I try to emphasize everywhere I, I go, 
um, is that there has been massive growth. You can see that the guys in this region, they're really hungry for this. It just scratches an itch. But one of the things I, I try to emphasize, because um, I, I travel around a lot to the other AOs, um, one of the, the roles I have is I'm a GTE trainer. And so, you know, we're one of the things that you have to know uh, QSource. So one of the things I try to emphasize, um, especially with FNGs, is that read, read to lead. Yeah. Um, and if you go to an AO and you ask, okay, how many guys have, have read Free to Lead and not every hand goes up, you know, maybe on a good day, maybe 50% of the hands go up or sometimes, you know, even less. Mm. Um, and, you know, I try to emphasize is that, okay, it's really great that you guys know the five core principles and can recite them verbatim and by heart. You know, it's really great that, you know, you know, no man left behind, but you need to understand the why you need to understand the culture. Mm. Why do we get up in the gloom? Why is that important? Why do we do it? Why is it exercise? I mean, I've literally heard dark helmet say, Hey, you know what? I mean, if, if knitting brought men together as much as strenuous exercise did, then we'd be a knitting club. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to understand the why, because if you don't, yeah. as on, as much as on fire as you are, th the roots aren't going to sink. And you, yeah. you need to understand why we're doing this. It's for a purpose. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of like a troubadour that way. And I try to emphasize that point. Yeah. You know, I, I have to tell you that um, the current episode of the art of manliness podcast uh, has a, a guy on, you know, he's one of the academics, psychologists, but he's talking about masculinity. And at the end of the episode, he talks about the studies, you know, these studies that have been done. Um, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to quote them and everything, but basically they found that men uh, thrive better mental health, emotional health and stuff. A, when they're exercising and B, if they have a place to go to hang out with other guys, whether it's repairing a car or, you know, or just whatever, you know, a place yep. where guys hang out and apparently even going to like a bar, not, not advocating alcohol, you know, usage, but, but place where guys hang out, you get to talk to other guys. Well, I'm thinking to myself, that's what F3 does. We do both, right? Yeah. We bring guys together right. to exercise to, to your point. I mean, that was a, you know, I mean, F3 just is doing what science and all these studies and other people are discovering. We're born to do. Yeah, that this okay. is the way. This is exactly. For guys. And yeah. the thing is, is that men, we as we get older, our social circles become smaller and smaller. This doesn't happen to women. Women are way better at this than we are. Women replenish their social circle. But you ask guys, and they talk about, oh, my buddy in California, my buddy in New York, my buddy in Montana, dude. But you live in Texas. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, what about your buddy who lives next door? And so it. It's we after after high school and after college, like we stop making friends. You have quote unquote work friends, mm -hmm. and in the office or at your work environment, you should have allies. You should have people that you can hang with and be friendly with. But are they really your friends? I mean, the moment they're layoffs, now you're no longer friends. Now you're competitors because people are playing musical chairs. The music stops. You want a chair, and probably more wanted more than the, the other guy. But anyway, and so it's. That's what F3 brings, that whole that friendship that you, you stop making friends. Yeah. You, you just, because you bought into this lie that, you know, well, I got to be, you know, just the sole survivor, John Wayne, you know, rugged individualism. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, men hunt better in packs. 
Yeah, amen, brother. So uh, let me ask you this. You said you're a, a GTE trainer. So yes. tell us how you got involved with that and how long you've been doing it and how many GTEs have you done? Uh, well, okay. So I, I got involved with that. Uh, I'm a graduate of class 001. Um, and so that was held in the GTE that was just recently held in Katy. Um, that was GT 34. And that was my first experience with, with the GT. It's kind of funny because there, um, prior to that, I mean, I started getting into, I, I post at a, at a, a, a bootcamp style workout, like everybody does on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. And then I got invited to a sandbag AO that's called the garden of pain, uh, for short, that we Good call name. it the geo. <laughs> And so it was, um, I was EH to the Garden of Pain by a pack named Wildfire. And so Wildfire has this amazing ability to just talk me into anything. And so I didn't try very hard. He's like, hey, Kana, you should like come to the GOP. And I was like, okay. So I showed up there. And so it's a free men's workout, right? But like, so I don't own a sandbag. I don't own a rock. They had loaners available. Anyway, I was hooked. I just absolutely loved it. So I do that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, and so there was, um, there were other sandbag AOs opening up and one pack even asked me to be AOQ there. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that because, um, they said, you know, we want to, you know, hike far, wearing rucks and all this. And I'm like, man, that's not how I use my ruck. As a matter of fact, at the time I didn't even have a ruck. I had a plate carrier and I used it more to accentuate my current workouts, like sprinting uphill and all that while, while wearing weight. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all that changed. It was, um, that we have uh, a pack here. His name is full health. He's actually a cadre. Um, and he, we, there was uh, Q school that, uh, I'm sure other regions do that as well. But camo well, was the Nantan here and he invited me to go. And so there, uh, full house made an announcement. Hey, we're looking for trainers. And I honestly didn't know what that was, but I said, that sounds awesome. So I went with another, uh, one of my good friends here named Seagal and we signed up for it, not really knowing what we were signing up for, to be honest. Um, so that was the start of the trainer Academy because the nation is trying to expand, um, the number of GTEs which we put on because that's the primary tool of teaching QSource and what have you. So it's, um, well, you can't do that if you don't have the staff to support it. So they needed additional trainers. So that that was the first time they had ever done uh, the Trainer Academy. So the Trainer Academy, it was actually a six to eight week process. Um, There were several, it was run by Dread and Slaughter uh, and Cadre Linus. so it's we had to write two essays. We had to uh, do something that was incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, at least it was for me. And talking to the other guys, it was for them too. They wanted a two-minute video. Tell us what you think you bring to the team. And don't tell us how wonderful F3 is because we already know that. What do you specifically bring? And this is not a time to be shy. And so I was like, okay, okay, what do I say? Um so I, I I filmed two minutes and I was done. I tried to, I'm like, okay, maybe I can do better. And I kept on filming, filming, filming. And it kept on getting worse. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to send the first one. <laughs> so, and, and then the day of the, we had weekly meetings. We had to re- critique and review each other's essays. 
And then we had the physical fitness test. Um, so the physical fitness test was timed. It was actually um, that Friday before GTE started. And that was, um, I'm trying to remember what it all entailed. So it was the APFT. So it was max hand release Merkins and max butterfly sit up two minutes, max each one two minutes, and then run a two minute mile in less than 18 minutes. Do you remember okay, what, the, so. what the, what standard you had to hit with each one? Yeah, we, let me see, we had to do, cannot recall to be honest with you, DFib. I think it was 50 Merkins, but everybody passed that. Um, I'm not sure how many, maybe it was 50 butterfly sit-ups as well. Um, and you have to do it there in the presence of a cadre, and they tell you whether it's a rep or no rep, and then run the two-minute mile. Uh, and then we had to do um, a burden carry, which was a hundred pound grain seed bag. It's not a sandbag, so there are no handles on it. So you have to put it on your shoulders uh, and run a mile. And I believe you have to do it in less than 15 minutes, I want to say, if I can remember correctly. But it's so uncomfortable because there are no handles on it. With the sandbag, there are handles. You can balance it. With this, it, it was... You have to put it up there and kind of balance it. And it's a grain feedback, so it's not cylindrical like a sandbag would be. And I remember Cadre Linus was like, you may put the bag down. I don't suggest you do that because the second you do that, you won't make time. But if the bag falls, you're out. Okay. <laughs> so after that, then we had to do a nine-mile ruck with at least 45 pounds. And they slaughter was the one measuring the weight and what have you. They measured it when you started. They measured it when you finished. Um, and then there was max pull-ups. Um, you had to do, uh, I believe, it was, that was actually kind of, that was relatively easy. It, it, you only had to do six. Most guys did way more than that. Um, anyway, the physical fitness part took four hours. Um, we started at six in the morning. We finished at 10. And um, then I remember Cadre Linus sitting there. Okay, so now that was just to make sure that you guys belonged here. Now the, the class exercise begins, which mimicked the heavy portion of a grow ruck event. And there was a point in the afternoon. We had not had breakfast. We had not had lunch. There was a point in the exercise where everything was going wrong. Okay. I, at that point, everybody was disoriented. We were exhausted. We were hungry. And so I, I um, cadre, Linus made us all line up, and he, and he said, everybody line up, everybody line up. We're like, oh, man. He goes, rocks above your head. So we had to de-rock, hold them above our head. And he, and he says, I'm sensing a lack of motivation. <laughs> he goes, what is the problem? And I remember thinking to myself, damn, I'm hungry. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, can I bite your tongue? Because the second you <laughs> say that, the only reward you're going to get is burpees. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was it. I mean, when when the exercise the exercise finally wrapped up at around four uh, o'clock in the afternoon, and then we had the classroom portion of it, um, where we had to we went over the Q source. Dread was doing his lecture. Slaughter did some lecture too. Um, we had an assignment. We had to uh, give a five minute presentation on area of expertise that we had. It could be non F3 related, but you have to be able to speak in front of an audience, you know, and you have five minutes and you have to use 
the Socratic method, um, three different methods in, in five minutes, and then you, the other people critique you and judge you whether you were successful or not. Um, but I remember they fed us there. They, they actually they had they had brought in food. They brought in barbecue. Food, huh? Oh, we got some food. It was delicious. <laughs> we were yeah. so. Hey, you know, I think this class was the class that Uno was in. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uno was there. Yeah. You know Uno? Yeah, yeah, we know yeah, we Uno. Know, he's, yeah, he's a he's he's a down in Somerset, Pennsylvania. But his brother lives here, and so he comes up once in a while. He the first time we met him, he just parachuted in one day, <laughs> and uh, he's been like an honorary PAX of ours. Yeah. Uh, but he's trying to plant a shovel flag down in Somerset, Pennsylvania, which is closer to Pittsburgh. Ah, okay. Yeah, he's a great guy. I met yeah. him there. At the, he's a fellow graduate. Yep. So did you do a GTE before you went through this training academy? I had not. Oh, I, thought that I, was had a, not. I thought that was a prerequisite. Well, that was, they kind of bent the rules um, for a couple of guys. And that was, um, that was, I actually had a discussion about that with uh, uh, Cadre Linus because he, he says, you know, that was one of the qualifications that you have to have completed a GTE. And I said, well, I'll just complete it in Katie. And then he was slightly apprehensive because he said, yeah, but if you quit, I said, I'm not going to quit. He goes, yeah, but if you quit, it's going to look bad that a trainer candidate quit. I said, I'm not going to quit. And, and so um, anyway, I, I did not quit. We made it through. Um, that There was kind of uh, that whole weekend, you're constantly being observed by, by the, the cadres. And then... Uh, in you have a, a, a Q source point. Each one of the trainer candidates had a Q source point that they had to study. And again, another five minute presentation where where you're hungry, disoriented, you've been you know carrying around a log, the implements of woe for, for who knows how long, uh, and then you have to give uh, a presentation, a talk uh, on a Q source point. So each one of us had one. You had no idea at what point in the evening the cadre was going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey. Showtime, go. Um, so it's uh, yeah, everything is you're caught, you're being observed. You're like a science experiment, and yeah. at the it's only at the end, assuming you make it to the end, um, that uh, you're told whether did you you made it or not. And you made it. So um, I, how many guys didn't even make it to that point? Like how many? No, we're, we're all the guys. Every one of the guys made it because we all rallied around each other. In, I think there were 11 in, of them. They all did it. All yeah, did it. in typical F3 fashion. If anybody was flagging, yeah. um, we just picked them up. It, it, at some point, it, it, that was actually one of the most trying experiences I've had. I mean, physically, it's more mentally and emotionally. Uh, it's, um, I remember at one point towards the end, you don't know what time it is because you're not allowed to have a watch. Um and it just started raining uh, and the temperature dropped like 20 something degrees. Um, and they were trying to find a water hazard to stick us in. But around here, all water hazards have either gators or snakes. So for safety reasons, they, that was uh, voted out. Well, Mother Nature took care of that. So around apparently we realized later on anyway, that around uh, five o'clock in the morning, it just started raining. And so it started as a drizzle and then it just started pouring. And then we're literally sitting there freezing. Uh, they had us all lined up against the wall because there was thundering and lightning and to get out of the way of the lightning. Uh, and we're leaning up against the wall. We don't know when we're going to continue marching or not. The, the instructions were to just sit tight. Well, we sat there. I forgot how long. It seemed like hours, but I don't think it was. 
Uh, and I remember um, Slaughter was uh, our um, cadre who was leading white platoon. And I knew what the answer was, or I thought I knew what the answer was going to be, but I had to ask anyway. So I, I, I looked at Slaughter and I said, uh, sir, can we de-ruck, take our rucks off? And Slaughter just looked at me and said, no. <laughs> okay, I asked and answered. We'll just continue here to wait. Um, but yeah, that was the one point in the night where I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm cold. I'm tired. I literally fell asleep standing up. Um, I, I remember I, I, I was about to fall down to the ground and two guys were standing next to me. Um, treadmill and tailpipe picked me up. They're like, can I wake up? I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm I good. did that in the operating room once. That's what everybody wants to hear, right? You didn't fall into the chest cavity. No, it was a, it was a thoracic case and I was retracting the lung and a surgeon was working. I was doing anything. And it was like right after lunchtime, we did a heart surgery in the morning and, and, uh, the nurse was this big guy next to me and I started going, going down and just and I startled and woke up and yeah. Ju- junior man's one thing, <laughs> <laughs> but full, full body. The surgeon looked at me and said, am I boring you? I said, well, kinda, I can't yeah. see. And I'm just holding something. <laughs> okay, Ow. folks, I, that, that doesn't Sorry. really happen that often. It's okay. Everything's, everything's, everything worked out. Um, only, only happened once and now he has a, and now he has a different job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you sent me a video of, of you were addressing the uh, the GTE guys uh, at sunrise. Was that was you, right? Yes, yes, that was um, that part of the at the end. It's not at the end; it's towards the end. But it does not mark the end of the GTE. But it's called the Sunriser Service, mm-hmm. and so the trainer candidates are responsible. Well, the trainers are responsible for that service. So we have to plan it. And that was, you know, part of, of the uh, trainer academy as well. Uh, actually, Uno was the one, speaking of Uno, Uno was the one who was, um, was helping organize that. Um, and he asked for volunteers of uh, somebody who would be comfortable, you know, speaking in front of others. Well, I said, oh, I'll do it. So that's, um, just raise your hand in F3 and it, you're free to leave, right? Uh, um, yeah, man. So, yeah, so I, uh, yeah, so I spoke up. Uh, Imagine that, a lawyer was, who wants to talk. There we go. Shocking, I know. So out of character. Is this where Uno was like singing in the middle of the night? Like when you guys are out there hiking too, keeping yourselves awake or something like that? No, no. Uno was in another platoon. I didn't hear him singing. It was, uh, it was, we were apparently not allowed to sing. Um, but I, I remember I started singing uh, when we were finally entering the, the point where I knew was the end point. Um, and so we were going across the street, and I, I started singing uh, the fight song of, of the University of Texas, where my son went to school. And I'm crossing the street, and I was like, the eyes of Texas are upon you. around. I said no singing. Okay, sorry. Sorry, sir. <laughs> All right. Have you done any other GTEs as a trainer since then? I haven't. There's, um, there was the, the capital that just happened, but that uh, unfortunately coincided with uh, the um, Texas Independence Relay. That's a big thing here uh, for F3 and Katie. I think we had 12 teams. We actually had our own category. Um, so I wanted to go support that. I am not a runner. My M is a runner. She runs like Gazelle. Um, but we had 12 teams there, and they were asking for um, volunteers, for we had uh, a hospitality tent 
in Schulenburg, Texas, and that's where um, I get credit where credit is due. People like Panda, people like Camo, people like Happy Meal, Pelly. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, uh, who are literally wizards on the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was set up and take down uh, supplies that had to be purchased, uh, just all of that to take care of. I think we had something like 200 guys roll through. Um, so they needed uh, people. So I wanted to volunteer for that. That was the, the, the same weekend. So, But I am now, it's um, for the trainers, we have to have our, we're going to have a, actually a call about that tomorrow update our availability of when we can go. So I'm really, um, there are a couple of uh, ones that I really want to go to. There's uh, Grow Camp, which apparently is a big one. And it's actually the first international one this year uh, in the UK, um, which I'd really like to attend because the, the, the Nantan of the UK is actually from Katie. Um, it's a guy named Safari. Uh, and he, he and I both have the same proud papa. We both started at the same AO, the peak. Super nice guy, really quality guy. Um, so is, Saf- is Safari? He, uh, was he born in America? An American that moved to England? Or no, um, Safari. Because he's a guy we're, we're trying to. We're going to get him on our, on the podcast. I've already contacted. You should. Him. You should. You should. Yeah. Tell him I said so. All right. <laughs> but you should. Safari is actually um, when you look at him, you think he's British because uh, because of his accent. Um, the way he appears, but he's actually born in Zimbabwe. Um, he has a Zimbabwean passport. He went to university in the UK where he met um, his wife, Catherine. Um, so I, he works for Yokogawa, which is a Japanese instrumentation firm. Um, and he was based here in the US. Um, so he's, he's also a really fit guy. Uh, he was also at the peak. Um, it's, uh, my, my daughter, um, babysat for his kids that he told me, it's like, my kids love your daughter. She's the best babysitter ever, which is not hard to believe because my daughter, I granted I'm biased, but she's incredibly lovable. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Uh, but he's a, so we were so sad to see him go when he left, he did his goodbye cue, his farewell cue, 45 guys showed up at his goodbye wow. to you. It wasn't a long for anything. And he handled it like a pro. One guy, you know, being queuing 45 guys seamlessly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, he's a, he was going, uh, he and his family were going on holiday, which we call vacation. But three yeah. weeks, three weeks in South Africa. So that's a, that's a good vacation. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll contact him. We'll probably, maybe in two weeks we could have him on because he'll be back and yeah. I'll be back from vacation. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's, uh, last two questions for you, brother. Uh, one is, uh, if you had to pick somebody that is someone who inspires you, your hero, could be somebody from the distant past, somebody live now, whatever, whoever it is, who would you pick as that person? Oh, wow. Um you know, I heard you ask that same question of OTB, and I, 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 was, I was thinking, uh, it's like, okay, so how would I answer that question? Um, and I honestly, this might sound slightly cliche-ish, but it isn't. And I honestly would pick my dad. Mm-hmm. My, my dad and I, uh, we had a, a complicated relationship. Um, he passed away in 2018 from uh, the age of 83 from uh, liver cancer. Um, we did not have the best relationship when he did pass away. Um, but, and there are many things about my dad uh, that it, 
I hear a lot of guys, especially within the pack, say things like, you know, they didn't have a good relationship with their dad or their dad. They wish certain things about their dad were different. And I guess, you know, he wasn't the perfect father, but neither was I the perfect son. Um, and it wasn't until much later in life that I realized what an example he was setting. It was um, here within F3, one of the things that underscores my name Canine is the fact that I have the reputation for tenacity, for being a very tenacious person. That is straight from my dad. Um, my dad would have coughed up a lung before surrendering. My dad was actually a, a paratrooper, 101st Airborne Division, when he wasn't even a U.S. citizen. Um, he was stationed in Okinawa during the Vietnam War. Um, and so he, his never quit, never surrender attitude you know, you don't realize how much you absorb some somebody, and you know, and until later on you start, you know, emulating. You don't even realize that you're following that example. But anyway, when he, I once asked him, you know, about his his immigration story, how he got to the U.S., and you know, he told this story. He's like, you know, back in it was in 1959 when my father, um, he's from Colombia, came to the U.S. and he said, you know, at that time, you know, you go to the airport and all your family members and friends, they come to the airport too. And it's like a funeral because they just assume they're never going to see you again. Um, because that's a, there's no internet, there's no Facebook, there's no email, there's no nothing. Um, so they just assume that you're going to disappear. Uh, you know, and then he tells of, you know, when he got to the U.S., and, about how he goes, my apartment was so small, I could literally, you know, stick out my 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 hands and touch both walls, um, and things like that. And you know, I realized, uh, I, I took it for granted, but just how much he had to sacrifice in order for my brother and I to have uh, the life that we did. Um, and that takes a tremendous amount of courage because you're literally you're leaving everything that's familiar to you. He was 25 years old at the time. You're leaving everything that's familiar to you. You're going to a place where it's even it's not even your language. Um, you, ha you have to start, you know, you learn a new language at 25, learn a new culture, a new country, a, a new everything. Uh, and, you know, that takes guts. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, to get to the other side and, and then, you know, to successfully raise a family, um, you know, that, that takes that takes courage. That that takes you know more courage than perhaps uh, many realize. And you know when I sit and I contemplate, you know all the things for which I'm grateful now that I have that I've been able to pass on to my own son and daughter. You know I realize you know that stems directly from the sacrifice my dad made. So even though that sounds cliche, it's it's not. Okay. I, it's truly, that's a person I greatly admire. Makes sense. Yeah, that's a good answer, huh? Yeah. We had a lot of guys pick their dads, and that's not surprising, yeah. right? The guy, the guy that has the most impact on us, right? Yep. All right. Uh, do you have any other questions before I ask him one more? Yeah. You going to hit him with the last one? Yeah. All right, K-9, this is your chance to speak to the men of America. What's your message for the men of America? Oh, wow. There's... So many things. The first thing I would say is that what we're doing is countercultural. It's what well, we're, they haven't come, come out and stated it yet, but the, the direction our culture is headed, what we're doing is, is countercultural because for the first thing we're saying we are a men's group. 
is even what <laughs> what we say is that you know we plant, grow, and serve um, small men's workout groups for the reinvigoration of male community leadership. So by process of elimination, well, we, we've said male, mm-hmm. so there must be a female. We're basically claiming that they're two genders, which in and of itself in current day is a very <laughs> controversial statement. Um, there are many people who will engage you in quite vigorous debate over whether that's true or not. Yeah, and they're crazy. Um, and what we're saying <laughs> is that male community leadership makes a difference. Yeah. What we're saying is that uh, men who finally assume the mantle of leadership, who finally become the men that they were supposed to be by God's design, matter. Mm-hmm. It matters. It matters to the men. It matters to their concentrica. It matters to the community. It matters to our country. And that's something that we need to keep pushing forward. That is very much flies in the face of today's culture. And as time progresses, I mean, my my assumption is that that, that dichotomy will just get even more acute. And so stay the course. It will take courage uh, to say, no, this is what, this is the man I'm designed to be. And I, it, I'm, one thing I like to say is that People can always say, okay, so free to lead. What is the subtitle of free to lead? The subtitle of free to lead is the unshackling of the modern day warrior. Yeah. That's where you designed to be and be that unapologetically. That's my message. Nice. Good message, man. Preach it, brother. (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. Um, So, let me try that again. I think we just spoke to another high impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah Thanks you guys for sharing, man. Katie are killing it. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are just expanding and uh, Texas is a big state. You guys are covering a lot of it quickly. Hi. There's, there's, you can feel the passion. You can literally feel the passion. When you go to the, to the AOs, you can feel the passion in the guys. It's, yeah. uh, it's a beautiful thing. There's, there's definitely something magical happening here. Absolutely. Well, keep it up, brother. Yeah. <laughs> It's not just me, but thank you. All right, tell uh, tell Camo we said hi. I don't. We don't know anybody else. I will. Katie, do we? I will. Yeah, hey, I think he's the only one we've had from Katie. Yeah, yeah. Tell so Cam- far, Camo yeah. dial up and defib says hi. Um, and uh, thanks for being on, man. It was a true honor to have you on here. Great talking with you. No, thank you. It was, it was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. All right. And uh, yes, and when when you speak to Safari, please tell him I said hello. We'll do. We'll do. We, that's that's my goal. We'll, uh, is to. Uh, probably be the, the next time we sit down to record is try to get Safari on. Safari in two weeks. Yep. All right. Bye. All right. <laughs> see you, brother. All right. All right see you, thank you so much. Good night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.